Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro-common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. All the media. The media walks in lockstep with each other. At least the mainstream, at least television does. The television anchors. It's, it's kind of like, you know, they have one place to get the copy from, and there's one person writing the copy for every single news anchor in America. At least all the ones that work for NBC, CBS, ABC, MSNBC, CNBC, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, because they, they go through these 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 stories and then they're all repeating it exactly the same way it it makes it highly suspicious one of only one of a couple things could be happening here either they're ripping and reading associated press copy or something along those lines and they're just reading it the way it was written by the associated press or the news source or <laughs> if i want to go all deep dark conspiracy theory I could say, well, maybe it's that, you know, it, this is a highly coordinated effort by the networks all the way from the top on down to the bottom. And, of course, having gotten that technical director from CNN on tape, Project Veritas, talking about how they, yeah, we're, they're fully involved in propaganda. It wouldn't surprise me to find out that, yeah, they're, they're all on the same page as far as what they're reporting and how they're reporting it. Part of it is just laziness. I have to think that. You know, every year, I don't know if you've ever heard of this or not. Uh, people in the Midwest know about this. Lake Superior State University, it's in Michigan, Upper Peninsula, puts out an annual list of banished words and phrases that we've become sick of hearing because they were repeated over and over and over to the point where you just can't stand them anymore. And every year, there's at least probably a half a dozen to a dozen that fit that list. In 2020, about 250 different words were submitted by people online. And as you can imagine, a bunch of things having to do with the pandemic were on the list. Number one, COVID-19 and every derivative thereof. Coronavirus, uh, COVID, Rona, the COVID, whatever it is you want to say about it. Far and away, the most abused Word or phrase used over and over and over again. Number two, social distancing. Number three, we're all in this together. Do you remember when every commercial that came on, we're all in this together? It was like in a million different commercials last year. I think we've finally gotten away from that. Out of an abundance of caution. Go-to line for politicians, um, 
school superintendents, anybody, you know, county judges, anybody making rules out of an abundance of caution. In these uncertain times, came in at number five. Pivot was number six. That's what a lot of businesses had to do in 2020. Unprecedented. By the way, that also made the list in 2002. I'm trying to think back. What happened? Was that like after 9-11? Maybe. Could be post-9-11 that unprecedented was so well used. Used Karen! There's the first non-COVID thing. Karen made the list. Uh, I know, right? That's also a phrase that got overused. But of the top ten, the first eight are all, are all COVID-related. Now, we've got a new phrase that is making its way through the mainstream media. And we got a chance to hear this yesterday on Tucker Carlson's program. What it is, is race relations. And the phrase being used by every anchor and every reporter on every station having to do with cops killing black guys, uh, whites and blacks getting along, race relations in general, is we've got some work to do. Here is a montage for your enjoyment. The fact is, we still have work to do. The family does not get to have their loved one back. There is still work to be done. And while this is a step in the right direction, there's still a lot of work to be done. But this is just one stop. There is more work to be done. It's a feeling like, okay, this happened, now the work really begins. So we can't leave this moment or look away thinking our work is done. This moment is where the work begins. We've got a lot of work to do, but this feels like a beginning rather than a, rather than an ending. We have a lot of work to do in this country because systemic racism has infected us all. And, and, and we know that until we right. stop the violence, then we have work to do. There's a lot of work to be done to get to liberty and justice for all. All right, we've got work to do. Work, 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 work. Talk about abusing a phrase. Let's just go ahead and include that on the Lake Superior list for 2021. I think it already already is getting worn out here, and it's only it's only been used here for about the last couple of three weeks. Here is Tucker Carlson riffing on work to be done. If you want to understand the axis between politicians and big business and fake state approved comedians, just all of them, everyone with power, all acting as one in unison against you and your interests, basically telling you that, yeah, this guy was found guilty of murder, but you're the one who's guilty and we're going to punish you. We're going to spend some time doing it. That's exactly what they're saying. Then check this out. Best Buy, you thought it was an electronics store. No, quote, Best Buy's unwavering commitment to this work is as strong as ever. Really, what work? I thought you sold stereo speakers. Shh, Best Buy, be quiet. The San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, quite concerned too. We know that there is still much work to be done. Really? What kind of work are you to be doing, Mr. Museum Guy? Then the CEO of Target moves some words around, quote, today's verdict does not mean that our work is done. There's much more to do. Really? Getting the sense you're gonna be the subject slash victim of this work? Yeah, you are. It went on though. The CEO of Starbucks nationwide and American Airlines all issued statements declaring that more work must be done. 
<laughs> so did hockey teams and food delivery services. Even politicians who have never, even for one day, had a real job. People like Bernie Sanders talked about the need to do more work. Okay, all you social justice warriors, get to work. You're already working anyway. Go ahead and work while the rest of us put our feet up and relax a little bit. Good Lord Almighty. Work to be done. Yep. Keep saying it over and over and over and over and over again, and pretty soon everybody's repeating it back to you, right? Yep, that's how that works. Okay. Hey, listen, I had a guest on yesterday afternoon, and he said something towards the tail end of the interview that really got my attention. I don't mean to make too big of a deal of it, but with the announcement today from Biden uh, regarding masks, maybe this is a good time because I think we had him on the 4 o'clock hour yesterday, so you might have missed him. I'll share that with you coming up next here on AM 950 KPRC and the Jimmy Barrett Show. Okay, here's an interview you might have missed from yesterday. I don't normally repeat interviews, but um, it, it's kind of timely, uh, given the uh, the ruling, <laughs> I guess that's the way to put it, the ruling from the CDC and President Biden reporting today, if you've been vaccinated, you are free to move about on the outside without a mask. As long as you're with somebody else who also has been vaccinated. Isn't that special? Raise your hand if you wear a mask when you're outdoors. Now, raise your hand if you ever wore a mask outdoors during the entire COVID-19 event. Unless you were going to be in a really, really large gathering somewhere. Uh, my guess is you didn't. Why would you? What would be the point? What do you think is lurking in the air? You think the trees are spreading COVID? Maybe. Could be. So, you know, this big announcement was a big nothing burger for me. And I'm guessing probably for you as well. And, you know, the way it's being done, what it was, the way, the way it was presented was in a way to try to convince you, you know, you really need to get the vaccine. They know that people aren't getting it. Every sign all around town um, that's that, that showing the wait time to get a vaccine at vaccine centers, zero wait time. There is virtually nobody in line. The people who want it have got it, pretty much. And other than that, I don't know what they're going to do to try to convince you. But we had yesterday Dr. Scott Kennard on our, on our program. We had him in the little after 4.30 yesterday afternoon. So if you're an early listener to the show, you might have missed it. So I thought it might be worth repeating it because he's kind of an interesting guy. And, and the, 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 interesting, the most interesting question, of course, I'll save for the last one. I've got three for you here. We talked a lot about um, why so many people, I, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 9-10%, maybe a little bit higher, of people who have gotten the covid 19 vaccine doesn't matter which one it is um except for johnson and johnson because there's only one dose of that but for people who got the pfizer or the moderna probably 10 11 maybe a little bit more have not gone back for the second shot they just don't go go back to get the second shot my guess is it's all the fear-mongering that they hear people describing how sick they got after they got the second shot but let's see what dr scott Kennard thinks about the reason I think there are three real, real reasons. Number one is uh, logistically, it's a pain in the rear end, and there was a bunch of problems with Walgreens nationally getting that done. 
And as silly as it sounds, I bet two or three percent of people gave up and got frustrated when they went back and they were supposed to get the Moderna and they were offered the, uh, you know, they, they were told they can't get it because all they have is Pfizer. But I think that'll get straightened out. So that's that's a good thing. Second thing is I think you're right. I think that people are afraid of that they could have a bad reaction after the second time. And, you know, the thing I'd say about that is it's interesting because when they did the studies on the second shot, 34% of people that got the saltwater shot said they felt really bad. <laughs> and it was only, yeah, it is about twice that number said, you know, I felt my arm was sore. I laid in bed for a day because I was tired. So realize that how you think about it, sometimes makes a big difference. And so like you had said, you know, if you just take it one day at a time, the vast majority of people, like 98, 99%, they feel a little tired. Maybe they get a little sore and, uh, but it's only less than 20%, like five to 6% actually really get tired for two days. Now, believe it or not, um, Dr. Kennard also says there are people who think that you can get COVID from getting the vaccine. Here's what he had to say about that. When we look at vaccine hesitancy, one of the things that people say is, oh, I'm afraid I'll get COVID from the vaccine. And you're right, Jimmy, you don't get COVID. You can't get COVID from the vaccine because they don't put any virus in. All they're putting is a little piece of either messenger RNA in or a little piece of protein that's attached to a benign virus into your body. So it literally is asking the question, how do you feel when your immune system responds to an invader and that's that's what you're feeling and there's really no way to know beforehand but you're also are correct and people are older, like i hate to say i'm in this group but you know above 50 uh, they tend to have a little less of a reaction because their immune system is a little less aggressive and a little less on edge if you will or maybe even you could say a little less effective whereas the people who are younger 20 30 40 they have great immune systems that get in the game and get aggressive, and so they can tend to get a little bit more of a sore arm and, and other things. And I think it's a trend that has been seen throughout. But, as you know, you can have people that are 30 that are morbidly obese and not healthy, or you can have people that are 60 that are fantastically healthy. So it's really it's about how healthy the person is probably as much as it is the age. Yeah, and I think it has a lot to do with obesity. You know, the, the cases of death that we have seen, the, the really serious cases of COVID-19, I think it has a lot to do with morbid obesity. If, if, I've, if I've gotten one thing out of all the different stories I've heard about this, I think that's it. All right, here's the final one. Here's kind of the kicker. Here's the one. It kind of came towards the end of the interview, and I kind of, it kind of went, huh? You know, because I really didn't expect to hear this answer. Um, he, he consults with over 24 different corporations on healthcare issues. And he's consulting with them now about whether or not they should make the vaccine mandatory. In other words, your employees, you work for a company, you're required to get the vaccine or you lose your job. Here is what what Dr. Kennard had to say about that. That's a conversation we're in right now because they want to reopen their workplace. And the safest way to reopen the workplace is have everybody go get immunized, and then we can reopen it. We can feel really good about the safety for the employees and not having them get sick and things. 
And so I have, uh, you know, and it depends on your culture. It depends on who you are, what you stand for as, um, you know, is it more important to keep people safe in the workplace or is it more important to give people complete freedom in what they choose to do? And that's a culture issue. So what I'm recommending right now, what we're going through with all of these companies is looking at their employees, looking at who they are, what they represent, what their culture, mission, and vision are, and then we have a custom solution that works for them. And... Uh, and that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years is helping companies save money and their benefit costs by having something that works in their company to have people get better care. And that's what this is all about. Keep people from getting sick. You know, there's all kinds of carrot and stick approaches corporations can take to force you or businesses to force you as an employee uh, to get the shot. Uh, OSHA, I talked about this a long, long time ago. If, if this administration really wants to force people to get vaccinated, they'll make a, an OSHA work requirement because, you see, that gets the employer off the hook. They can say it's an OSHA regulation. We don't have any choice. You have to get the vaccine or you can't work here anymore. It'll be an OSHA violation. We can't do that. That I'm surprised that one hasn't quite come up yet. I, I get the impression that this administration has not run out of ideas to try to scare you or to get you to volunteer to get the vaccine. They haven't quite run out of ideas yet. But I have a sneaking suspicion they have a date in mind that we either achieve this amount of vaccinations by this date or we're going to have to ratchet it up another level here. I think that'll be July. That's my guess. July, if not a little bit sooner. And by that point in time, they're going to be making requirements. I think they want to see how many companies they can kind of cajole into forcing their employees to get the vaccine. And for the companies that don't want to do that, at the end of it all, maybe maybe you get an OSHA regulation or something along those lines. Or if you want to take a more carrot approach, you provide some tax incentives or some other financial benefits for companies that get all of their people vaccinated. All right, quick little break. We're going to talk about all this, including the Biden announcement a little earlier this afternoon on Mass with Becky Blaylock, Freedom Matters Action Group, coming up next here on AM 950 KPRC. I don't think we're quite free yet. No, they let us they let us outdoors now. They've let us outdoors without a mask. That's all that happened today. If you missed the announcements, here is President Joe Biden from about an mm, hour and a half ago. Starting today, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you need and not in a big crowd, you no longer need to wear a mask. I want to be absolutely clear. If you're in a crowd like a stadium or at a conference or a concert, you still need to wear a mask, even if you're outside. But beginning today, gathering with a group of friends in a park, going for a picnic, as long as you are vaccinated and outdoors, you can do it without a mask. The CDC is able to make this announcement because our scientists are convinced by the data that the odds of getting or giving the virus to others is very, very low if you're both been fully vaccinated 
and out in the open air. The CDC also helped clarify which outdoor activities are safer or less safe, depending on whether you've been vaccinated. How much longer will we allow ourselves to be treated like kindergartners? I feel like I'm being talked to like maybe a first grader at the most. Now you can go outside without your mask. But only if that other person had their vaccination, okay? But that doesn't mean it, if you can't do it. on. It, with, there's going to be a large crowd around, okay, child? And you, Are you listening to me, son? Huh? Are you listening? And you can't do it on a Wednesday, Friday, or any other even day. I was waiting for that to come. Uh, Becky Blaylock joins us, Freedom Matters Action Group. I'm guessing you weren't overly impressed by the president's announcement today. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, I, you know, that's the first time I've heard the audio. I, I saw the news story but didn't listen to it. The audacity of this man, right? The tone that he takes. He doesn't say this is what we recommend for you as an adult citizen who can make their nope. own decisions. Oh, no, you're allowed to do this now. That is unbelievable. It really is. And um, and it, it's pretty clear, right? I, 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 here's why I think we heard this announcement today. It, has anything changed in the last week or two? No. Um, but the, 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 the CDC um, is reacting to the fact that the demand for vaccination is, pretty much has dried up all across the country. I think they're at the point where they really don't know what else to do other than you know, they, they need to provide the carrot stick approach. In other words, here's the carrot. If you get the vaccination, we're going to let you outside again. What they fail to right. consider, Becky, is that most of us, especially here in Texas, most of us never wore a mask outdoors. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And, uh, you know, Texas has reopened fully. Houston, you know, Lena Hidalgo wants us to all think that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. She kind of reminds me of a kid at Disney World who the park is closing and she doesn't want to leave. So she's kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous that she she won't acknowledge, hey, we've got her immunity at this point. If you want the vaccine, you could have gotten it. Um, yeah. And they have they have to make you feel like, OK, uh, now you can live your life normally if you go get this you have any you know i I don't mean to i don't mean to to pull you into any of my conspiracy theories i need no help when it comes to conspiracy theories (laughs) but but i have to you 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 know as my partner in the morning sheriff fryer's fond of saying follow the money follow the money there's a lot of money pfizer and moderna and these other drug companies have invested in these vaccines uh there's a lot of money the government has invested in these vaccines and there's a lot of money i think they want to make going forward from these treatments and these vaccines, and it's not going to work for them if they can't get us, if they can't make us take the vaccine. Right, right. I mean, the pharmaceutical companies spend more than oil and gas when it comes to lobbying in Washington. And if you're going to watch, you know, uh, CNN, NBC, any news station, look at the commercials between the segments. You've got pharmaceutical commercials being, uh, you know, blasted in front of you nonstop. But they've got the media. They've got the government in Washington. And I really, you know, it, none of this makes sense. It has to be another agenda. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but last year, by the time we got through April of 2020, I said, okay, this doesn't make sense anymore. What is going on? We should have been opened by now. And it has to be that they've got to sell some vaccines 
So that's why they suppress things like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, budesonide. We've heard of doctors treating thousands of patients, even, um, you know, cancer patients, people who were not doing well, uh, budesonide. There's a doctor who talked about having successful treatment with that when they had COVID with cancer. So this doesn't make sense. We've got a government who's out of control and they want to control our lives and our bodies and our medical decisions at this point, it looks like. All right. Well, let's let's assume that the agenda here still is we have to get as much compliance on this vaccine as which is humanly possible to do. How far do you think this government is willing to go to get it? I'll give you my prediction first because I just shared it with the audience here a few minutes ago, and that is, um, I I feel like what will happen is is that if if the vaccine demand continues to dry up, that by July, if they can't get corporations. Uh, in businesses to go along with the idea of requiring their employees as a condition of employment to get the vaccine, that they will involve OSHA and make an OSHA regulation. If, they, if they're if they really hell-bent on making sure that they get everybody to take a vaccine, they will get us to the point where we virtually have no choice if we want to work. Yeah, we've seen that. I mean, they always take, um, you know, their government agencies and put some kind of rule in place. And they know that the will of the people is not very strong to fight it. Unfortunately, we've been throwing rallies all last year and this year, and it's like pulling teeth to get people to come out and take note. Um, I'm, I'm always so surprised that people continue to wear the mask in the grocery stores and they, they willingly comply. And it's, it's been a year now of social conditioning. Um, I'm happy to hear that people are questioning the vaccine and making sure that it's right for them before they get it. Um, you know, but I do, I do think you're right. They're going to turn to some kind of, you know, OSHA rule and people don't have the will to fight it. And especially not companies, right? They, they just want to run their company and make money. Um, and, uh, you know, it infuriated me. That was sort of what activated me last year when Harris County imposed this $1,000 fine on businesses if one person was found without a mask in their store. Because at that point, I had been just spending my money with the ones that did not require a mask. Uh, and that took my choice away. It took their choice away as a business owner. And, uh, yeah, so they will. They'll use their government power to get what they want done, unfortunately. Of all the things that we've already said to each other here in the last few minutes, the thing that concerns me the most is because you're on the front lines of this with your group, Freedom Matters Action Group, is that there yes. are so many people who are compliant for no other reason than they're they're just either too weak or too tired to fight back. Right. Right. We all, we're so busy. Everyone is busy. Um, even if you don't like the mask, you've got your life to live. You've got a business to run. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a story. I have a, a close family member who she very much agrees with me that this is nonsense. Um, but we went out to eat the other day and she put her mask on before we walked in the door of the restaurant and <clears throat> there was no sign on the door. This restaurant wasn't requiring it. And she kind of sheepish, sheepishly looked at me and said, it's just habit. And she put it on and walked in the restaurant with it. And it blew my mind. I, I can't, you know, I, we're, see, we're seeing social conditioning at this point, which is very sad. I, I think you're right about that. And it's not the mask that worries me as much as it is what's next. What is the next yeah. freedom that will be, we will be socially uh, conditioned to do without? Right, right. It starts with taking away your medical freedoms and, uh, you know, it goes from there. We, uh, when we've done rallies this past year, I had to deal with 
um, the property, you know, we would do rallies in public spaces, and I had to get in touch with the property management of that public park and say, we're, we're going to do a free speech rally. And pretty much every time I had to argue with them, they would say, okay, well, you need to limit your rally to 10 people because that's the governor's order. And I said, no, you cannot limit my ability to gather and petition my government in a public space. And that, that's when they would take a step back and say, okay, you're right, but you know, they're going to encroach. If we don't push back, they will take control and tell us that we don't have the freedoms that we know that we do. I would like to think we all have our limit. And and I granted, I think that um, young people in particular who have grown up in a world a little bit different than, than your average adult has today, um, I, I look at it this way. We have a, we have, it, 2001, I think, was kind of like the beginning of a real switch in our country, in in in, in mm-hmm. giving up freedoms, we did it in the name of the Patriot Act. The Patriot Act. We did it in the name of of protecting ourselves from terrorism. But 2001 is 20 years ago now. People born in 2001 don't know what life was like before 2001. Yeah. They never experienced it, and it's the same kind of thing with this. You know, you'll have people who grew up in in, in a COVID a COVID world. Um, who will think that all of these restrictions are perfectly normal when you have a, a, a bug flying around that, that people are getting sick and if you were dying from. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's something that our group is actually very concerned about. We have probably done six or seven rallies in front of school board meetings, uh, independent school districts, petitioning them to let our kids go to school without a mask if they choose to. Let the parent choose. If they want their child to wear one, that's fine, but let me send mine without it. And we were successful. Katie ISD is making math optional next year, or I think starting in June. Um, we've had another one, I believe, do that as well. But we just attended the Fort Bend uh, ISD last night, and these people are locked into place. Uh, we're pretty sure that they're, they're going to extend the mask order. We were actually denied entry into the meeting without a mask, and so we couldn't participate in our civil, you know, civil activities. Um, Texas is open. There's no order in place by Governor Abbott anymore. There's no reason for them to keep us out. So I just say all that to say we have some really concerned parents. They're talking about their kids coming home. Um, I actually did put on a mask last night to go in and read the speech of a parent who would not put on a mask. She hasn't worn one yet. She doesn't want to break her streak. And I said, I can do it for you. So I read her speech, and um, she's actually a grandparent. She said, when my grandkids come home from school... They, they asked me, can I hug you? And they're worried about germs now on everything. And we're hearing stories of, you know, children, really young toddlers, not responding to facial, um, you know, facial expressions. They can't judge what a smile is. You know, it's, it's going to be a problem. And you're right, these kids, they're not going to remember what it was like to be able to leave your house and choose what kind of thing you're going to wear over your face. I mean, yeah, it's, well, it's a bad deal. Let's not give up just yet. Let's keep fighting the good fight. I think maybe the next step for your group, Freedom Matters Action Group, take it to the state. I think um, I think the, the the state board of education and the governor's office needs to get involved at this point. And uh, if if you've, if you're dealing with yeah. some of these school systems that just don't want to realize that this we're at the point here where we need to drop all these mass mandates, then maybe the state is going to have to convince them. And as long as the state is the big contributor when it comes to education money. They've, right. they've they've got they've got the hammer. Becky, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. Take bye care. Bye.
Becky Blaylock, Freedom Matters Action Group, joining us here on AM 950, KPRC, and the Jimmy Baird Show. Back with more in a moment. All right, any UFC fans? Andrew, are you, are you a UFC fan? Do you watch UFC fights? Personally, I'm not allowed. My wife abhors fighting. Same thing with boxing. I've never been a big fight, a fight fan anyway. So, you know, I don't really have all that much interest in the UFC. I get, my son Brian does. He's, he's going, hey, Dad, you know anybody can get me some tickets? Son, you can get yourself some tickets. You got some money? Um, it's coming up on May the 15th. That's a Saturday um, at Toyota Center. UFC 262, Oliveira versus Chandler. That don't, that don't mean nothing to me, but I guess if you follow the UFC, it does. Let's see. How much are tickets? Let's take a look here. Upper Deck, Section 432. That, those are the cheapest seats in the house. $224 a piece. Yeah, well, come on. I got to have better seats than that. Uh, upper Deck, Section 420, $334 a piece. Okay. L- oh, let's go to the lower level. Lower level, 110 $547 a piece. Yikes. What are the most... Ex- Let me go to the end here. Let me find the most, the most expensive, expensive ticket in the house. Floor F, row 4. You have to get a minimum of 1 to 4 or 6 tickets. 3000 <laughs> What? Huh? Three? Are you serious? $3,511 a piece. No wonder Dana White is rich. Good God almighty. $3,500? I, you know, even if, even if I were filthy rich, which I am certainly not, I can't imagine spending $3,500 for one ticket for one event. At Toyota Center. I don't care. I'll tell you what. If it's the second coming, I'll pony up the dough. If it's the legitimate second coming, I will pony up for that. I would do it, but not for USC. Under no circumstances would I do that. But I will say this. You know, because it's easy. We've been making fun of corporations. I've made fun of Coca-Cola. I've made fun of um, all these other woke companies and corporations who want to show us how woke they are um, by demanding that their employees get vaccines and and pulling out of pulling out of uh, states where they they don't like the voting laws because they're too restrictive even though they're not restrictive because they're Jim Crow like laws even though they're not but they're just so woke that they're going along with the with the with the left lies about the whole thing hate those people I do not want to give those people my business. But even though I don't want to spend $3,500 on a ticket, I would be willing to give Dana White my business only because Dana White, at least, is well, he personally, I don't believe he's apolitical. He's a, he was a Trump supporter. He's definitely on the right. But here's the bottom line. Even as a Trump supporter, what he's saying is, listen, as a company, we are apolitical. We're not here to turn anybody away. We're not here to turn anybody off. Here is Dana White on Fox. One of the things that I've, that I've really tried to do through this whole thing is stay out of politics when people tune in to watch sports they don't want to hear that crap they don't want to hear w- what your opinions are or who you're voting for or what you're doing 
They, they want to get away from everything in their life, and they want to focus on the, whether, you know, two, three, four hours, however long the sport is. Throughout this pandemic, when you turned on the UFC, you know, we never talked about COVID. We never talked about politics. And obviously, th there are certain fighters, um, you know, male and female, who have their own religious beliefs, their own political beliefs or whatever. We don't muzzle anybody either. So if somebody comes out at the press conference and they want to talk about this or that or whatever it might be, it, it's their God-given right to do it. Um, we, we don't muzzle anybody, but we, we keep politics out of the sport. You want, you want to listen to that stuff? Turn on any other station. <laughs> you got it. You'll hear all the COVID and political stuff you want to hear. When you turn into the UFC, you're, you're there to see fights. And I'm pretty sure he's told his fighters that, even though he said, you know, that that our people, they, they can express their opinion. We let them do that. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's let them know, hey, listen, our fans don't want to know who you support politically. They don't want to know what your political issues are. They don't want to hear your social justice message. And I'm thinking most of those guys are pretty hungry, even though I'm sure they get paid very well. They're pretty hungry. They're competing. They want to keep competing. They want to get fans. They want to sell tickets. They want to sell merchandise. Most of them seem to understand that. And I'm also guessing that if you're going to pick a sport, there are probably more conservatives or at least moderates participating as a UFC fighter than there are liberals um, or progressives. Wouldn't you guess? I would guess so. So thank God they don't feel the need to be woke. Unlike Hollywood, where they all seem to feel the need to be woke, and those who don't feel the need to be woke ain't working. Who is it, Rose McGowan? Rose McGowan, the actress, basically came out and said that Democrats are part of a cult. <laughs> Democrats are like Scientology, I guess. It, it's part of a cult. It is part of a belief system based on environmental issues and a whole bunch of Green New Deals, a whole bunch of things that are just, you know, out there in the ether that are not practical, that do not make sense, but it's like a religion. But I think she said it better. I've, I've said for a long time that you know, being a being a, a liberal right now is like being that's that's a religion. You don't worship God. You you worship the planet Earth and you worship uh, you know progressive ideals and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's more than a religion. It's a cult. It really is a cult. All right, Fox News at four. Hour number two is right around the corner. Jimmy Barrett here on AM nine fifty KPRC. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary VTW void or prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus what we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense.
breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro-common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by Viewin.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. All right, I don't know if you've heard this yet or not, but um, you know who Ed Gonzalez is, right? The Harris County Sheriff. He is being tapped by the Biden administration to be the new ICE director. No doubt because he's from Texas and no doubt because he was very critical of President Trump's immigration policies. Um, The fact that he got such a hearty congratulations from Lockdown Lena should tell you all you need to know about Ed. Uh, But all that aside, we wish him well. We'll see who ends up in the sheriff's position. Uh, here in Harris County. I'm assuming he's going to end up getting confirmed. By the way, uh, Lori Rice, Reese actually, Lori Reese, spelled, it's spelled like it's Rice, but it's Reese with the Heritage Foundation. She's one of their immigration experts. We'll, we'll talk to her about things at the border, including this nomination of Ed Gonzalez by, uh, by President Biden, see what she thinks of all that. Uh, we're going to be talking to her coming up at 432. 418 should be a really interesting guy. Um, his name is Todd Erzin. He's a, the co-author of a book called Faustian Bargain, Faustian Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. Dr. Fauci? Dangerous? Evidently. Evidently, that's his opinion that he is. So we'll get into that. Uh, first, though, stories out of the Washington Examiner, who's the fact checker for the Washington Post. Well, he, the, the conservative fact-checker of the, of the Washington Post, not for the Washington Post. So anything the Washington Post does, they, what they pretty much do is they look at it and say, yeah, no, that's not right. Here's the real deal. Um, but here's a story the examiner today that the Washington Post itself has shut down their presidential fact-check, de- uh, fact-check database just 96 days into the Biden presidency. They had it up and running for Trump. But now that Biden's in office, no more presidential fact-checker. Evidently, Monday evening, they announced the change. They said, we've been comparing Biden, 67 false or misleading claims, to Trump's first 100 days, where they said he had 511 false or misleading claims on social media. But past is no prologue. Prologue In the last 100 days before the 2020 election, we counted 8,859 claims made by Trump. It was a wild ride. He then shared a link to the Washington Post Biden database, adding, we do not plan to extend beyond 100 days. I've learned my lesson, he added. Learn my lesson means that who knows what the next four years will bring. We have fact-checked Biden rigorously and will continue to do so. Trump had 500 claims, 100 days was manageable, 8,000-plus was not. So, just too much work? Or is the fact, in their mind, that Biden is not nearly the exaggerator that Trump was and is not... Well, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Number one is they're more inclined to believe things that Biden says uh, because the politics are more in line with Washington Post politics. That's number one. Number two is Joe Biden is not 
on social media. It's not like you have going to be following him on Twitter. It's not like he's going to be constantly tweeting with things for the Washington Post to react to. So he he doesn't do press conferences. He he rarely talks to the media outside of a scripted event. There's not nearly as many opportunities to be caught in your lies when you're doing that. So I guess from a practical standpoint, they're correct. Not nearly as much work to do with Joe Biden just because Joe Biden isn't doing nearly as much work. Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, I mentioned Rose McGowan. I should follow up on that because I I don't have any audio of her, but I do have the story. I mentioned the fact that she is one of the few people in Hollywood who is willing to describe... Um, the progressive movement in in California and in Hollywood in particular is a deep cult, not just a cult, a deep cult. She said, all I want to do is spread the message that we're better than we have to be. She did a pair of Twitter, Twitter videos explaining why she did an interview on Fox News in which she said the Democrats are in a cult saying she also mentioned Republicans are in a cult and that her goal is to get people to think for themselves. Tonight they'll run with Rose McGowan says Democrats are in a cult, but I also said Republicans are in a cult too. If you lean deep into anything and refuse to hear anything else, you're serving a master and there's no evidence they're serving you, then maybe you're in a cult. That's Wait a minute, that, that's kind of profound. Let me repeat that and do it a little bit better this time. If you... Lean deep into anything and refuse to hear anything else, and you're serving a master that there's no evidence they're serving you, then maybe you're in a cult. The activist and former actress said the fact that Fox News lets somebody like me that's a humanist that's trying to break S with a hit down and help deprogram people from cults they're not aware they're in is pretty effing extraordinary. What has happened to our language? Is there a reason why we why we have to use the F word as an explanation point now? Can we no longer think of anything better to say? You know, it's one thing to drop an F-bomb when you're really, really angry. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe most people today are just really, really angry, really, really all the time. And that you revert when you're really, really angry, you revert to the, the F-bomb and the S-bomb and the GD and, and all the other things that you, you'd like to think were a little bit more eloquent than that to say. I'd like to think we could come up with better language than that to express ourselves other than dropping F-bombs. Anyway, she sat down with Fox News contributor Tammy Bruce and reiterated her own background of growing up in a cult. Okay, I didn't realize that about her and why she's since left the Democratic Party. Though she also said on there she does not necessarily share the conservative beliefs or personal freedoms of people who might have been watching. All right, so she's she's not, you know, she's not picking a political side here evidently. Um, but she's highly sensitive to cold issues cuz evidently she was brought up in one. I did not know that. All right, is Dr. Anthony Fauci the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in America? That's coming up next, AM 950 KPRC. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, is Dr. Anthony Fauci the most dangerous bureaucrat in America? Um, according to this book, he is. Uh, code written by our next guest, Todd Erzin. It's called The Faucian Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. And it kind of it kind of goes along the idea here. By the way, welcome to the show, Todd. Good to have you. It, it kind of goes with the idea here that um, Anthony Fauci is exactly what President Eisenhower warned us about in his farewell address, you know, of allowing public policy to become captive to the scientific elite. Um, and, and certainly, as a bureaucrat, Anthony Fauci has been one of the most powerful men in America as far as how we have reacted to COVID, how we have shut things down, how we have locked things down. Um, and I'm guessing, Todd, that you probably think that there is a overall reason why we've gone this route. Why do, why do you think that we've allowed our country to be locked down this way? Well, uh, that's the, the introduction of this book has nothing really to do with Anthony Fauci specifically or COVID. It has to do with we, the people, the country we inherited, and the lies we allow ourselves to believe if we pass off our duties and responsibilities to, again, this, this so-called expert class and this bureaucratic class that you mentioned. I mean, down in there in uh, Texas, well, heck, up here in Iowa, we've been largely more free uh, than Texas has been in many ways. Yeah, Texas has the reputation, you know, don't mess with Texas. Well, I, a lot of people have been messing with Texas uh, for a long time. You you guys have the same problems down there with uh, liberal universities. Sure. And in, it's uh, you have the same gender wars going on in many places. If we want this to stop, when, there's no returning to normal. Even if COVID goes away, the next thing is going to come along that they try to seduce us, us with, make us feel guilty for believing, so they can continue to do what they're really trying to do. It's, a, it's an utter takeover of this nation. They may live within the same borders that uh, existed when uh, this country was founded uh, back in uh, 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 1776, but they don't like this country. They want to fundamentally transform it. And that's why in places like Texas and places like Iowa that have nothing to do in many ways with California, uh, the East Coast, etc., we need to draw a line in the sand here and no further this belongs to us we've tried to compromise you your version of compromise is destroying us and we ain't having it anymore well uh, you know that's that's a great position to take and i would certainly take it along with you but i wonder how many others are willing to stand up and fight at this point have we gotten to the point where americans are willing to stand up and fight or are they still too busy just trying to survive and live their lives well, it's again, it is in places like Texas where I'm the most interested because we absolutely, if we want to return uh, to where this whole thing started, we have to make sure that places like Texas, we're not talking anymore about, you know, whether they can possibly turn uh, blue. This isn't fundamentally about Republicans versus Democrats. It's, a, it's about uh, the founding principles of this country. And if you can have, a, why is the University of Texas in any way, shape or form the same? as uh, 
pick at UCLA. That it should be a totally different experience there in many respects. You don't believe many of the same things. There's why is the flat eartherism that that's taken over academia everywhere in a place like Texas, in a place like Iowa. That's fundamentally regardless of we know the name Anthony Fauci whether COVID goes or stays is here forever like the flu that's really what needs to happen and i don't know i've heard a lot of things about going to austin texas that make it seem like texans are are embarrassed to even own that town anymore that's up to texans to take care of not todd and iowa right there in texas is it yours or isn't it and what are you going to do about it 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 is let me tell you what austin is austin is basically berkeley california it is it is filled with californians it is filled with transplants it is filled with the university and i defy you to find a conservative university left in this country there you may find a handful but you 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 will not find them here in texas any more than you will find them in iowa or anywhere else and we have been invaded by the West, and we have allowed it to happen. Uh, Austin has been went from being weird to just being plain old crazy, wacky liberal years ago. And we thought, well, if we can contain them in Austin. And then, of course, you've got Houston. Houston is, is a liberal city. It's run by Democrats. Uh, San Antonio is a liberal city run, run by Democrats. Dallas is a liberal city run by Democrats. We are the same as everywhere else in the country. Major cities run by progressives, surrounded by the vast majority of the state, which remains relatively conservative. Well, if that doesn't stop... Ultimately, it's game over because before COVID, uh, did, I'm 48 years old. Did you think you were going to be spending the last five years talking about the gender wars? What's a guy? What's a girl? What sport can they play? Uh, which bathroom are they supposed to use? Uh, see, that's that's the problem. There's always going to be the next thing because the left has figured out how soft we are, how easily we can be manipulated. I call this on my on the uh, uh, Steve Day show on Blaze TV. I call it the gated community effect. We're conservatives as much as anybody. Most of all, we're just addicted to our comfort. We don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to stand out. So we've done the same things everybody else has related to COVID and just try to get along and hope we return to normal. We do that on every issue over and over and over again. You mentioned the universities. I don't even It doesn't have to be a liberal or a conservative university. How about American University? How about a university that believes in the Socratic dialogue again and that believes if you have an idea worth having, it needs to stand the test of reason and debate. That's what shows like yours and why probably you got in this business. You're not afraid to take uh, anybody on your show, I'd imagine, when you got into this. But now is that even possible? Do you have, Are there any progressives that even want to go down to debate without calling you names? Somehow you're guilty of bright privilege or this or that? We, that, we have got to end that. It's, not, it's a choice. Whether Texas or Iowa or the states that have a chance of stemming the tide of this thing, uh, it's all about we the people, what we were designed to be as a republic, and the rights we have and where we believe they came from. I won't argue with any of what you just said, but how are you going to get that genie back in the bottle? What's your magic plan, Todd? Well, master plan, boy, I wish I had one of those uh, for you. But un- unfortunately, it, it it starts with realizing something I just alluded to. And I know, again, it took me a while uh, to come to this conclusion. But the, those, the, the progressive wing of uh, the American scene right now, they really hate this country. 
They they have no intention of be embodying anything constitutional. They'll use that document as they see fit to get what they want, but they are truly revolutionaries. That word can be a good thing, uh, as it was at our founding, and it can be a terrible thing, as it is now. COVID is just the tool they've used, and Dr. Fauci, is just, he's not uniquely evil. He's, he, he, there's bureaucrats like him in your local school district. You just mentioned they live all over the place in Austin, Texas, and elsewhere. They enjoy controlling other people's lives. That's what gives them satisfaction. They have no patience for the definitions of freedom that this country was founded upon. And that's hard for people to realize because it makes them uncomfortable. We don't like to be uncomfortable. So what you're going to need to do right there in your own backyard is look around and start getting involved in a way that you've put on autopilot for way too long. Okay. There's the challenge. There's the challenge for everybody. Easier, easier said than done because, as you know, we have become a very fearful people. I think that's what COVID was all about, don't you? Let's, let's, see, let's see if we can really scare these people to the point where they're afraid to leave their own home. And if we can do that, we can, we can call them racist and we can keep them from standing up to fight us. You're absolutely right. This has been more of a uh, the psychological experiment uh, than anything else for the yeah, last year plus. Listen, the simple truth of the matter is this. And this magical place called Sweden, you may have heard of it. I know it's like the lost city of Atlantis, but they chose a tro- totally different way of doing this in terms of fighting the virus. And they came out clean on the other side compared to many of their European neighbors. And this, we would have chosen this pandemic. Out of all the pandemics we could have chosen, we would have chosen this one. It wasn't coming like a thief in the night for our children. It wasn't coming for your average 40-year-old who's the major component of the workforce. We knew this after China and Italy specifically. This came after the elderly, the infirmed, those with comorbidities. We should have taken the Herculean efforts to protect them, done whatever we could. Uh, but the rest of us could have got on with our lives. We didn't need to shut down the economy. I don't know how much better things would have been if we had done uh, what Sweden had done, but I'm very confident, based on data that we have, and we lay out in this book, we have over 200 footnotes. That's more than there's pages in the book. I'm confident we would have done no worse than has happened right now. And quite frankly, based on the data we have uh, and the number of deaths from COVID, I don't know about you, I just don't believe that. This has been manipulated all along based yeah. on how, uh, how, based on uh, the funding that comes from the government uh, to, to the hospitals and the healthcare facilities. We've been manipulated psychologically, emotionally. It's been fear-based, just like you said. That's been the real terror. You're right. Absolutely right. And you're right. You can't believe the numbers. They've all been cooked especially on COVID deaths. Todd, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Again, the name of the book is Fauci and Bargain, the most powerful and dangerous bureaucrat in American history. Uh, with Todd Erson, co-written by Steve Deese. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Baird Show, AM 950 KPRC. Four thirty-four down here at AM 950 KPRC. All right, let's 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 talk a little bit about the border. Haven't done that in a little while. Uh, There is a new proposal out there. The proposal comes from Senators John Cornyn. Yes, John Cornyn and Kristen Sinema. So I'm sure they're not selling it this way because, after all, Senator Cornyn is a Republican, underlined twice, from Texas. So I can't imagine 
that he's actually trying to sell this bill as being is enabling the Biden administration to process and release illegal aliens into the United States more quickly and to provide illegals with legal counsel at taxpayer expense and transport illegal aliens to other locations within the United States upon the release paid for by the taxpayers of the United States because after all if he tried to presented to us that way here in Texas, we might, we might not like it very much. Uh, Laura Reese joins us, Heritage Foundation, uh, to discuss this whole thing. So how is this being presented by these two? Uh, clearly it's not being presented the way, the way you folks think it's being interpreted, right? Right. In fact, uh, they put the word bipartisan in the title of the act, which is the first time I've seen that to make it uh, sound better. But this is a bad bill. Uh, this would essentially accomplish what the Biden administration wants to accomplish, which is to just process more illegal aliens into the country more quickly and more efficiently. So what are they saying? Are they are they trying to sell it from the idea of well, we, you know, we have this this huge influx of people at the border, and we have overcrowded conditions, and we have a bunch of kids on top of each other, and we need to disperse them more quickly. This this will this will take care of our humanitarian issues at the border. Well, right, and they're they're trying to uh, deal with the crisis instead of preventing uh, illegal immigration, and that's the key difference here. So this bill, for example, would uh, create uh, processing centers at the border or welcoming centers, if you will, um, which unfortunately is going to continue to draw illegal immigrants to the border to then be processed into the U.S. And that's really the number one pull factor is if illegal immigrants know that they can get into the U.S. and will be released, um, then they will continue to come. Um, The bill also, uh, as you had mentioned, requires lots of legal orientation programs and access to attorneys, which the uh, taxpayers would have to pay for. And um, it really lowers the bar for sponsors who can pick up unaccompanied alien children and have them stay with them. Um, it only eliminates certain crimes that these sponsors may either be convicted of or currently being tried for. Uh, At the very least, illegal immigrants could be sponsors picking up these UACs and other um, have have committed other crimes as well. All right, this sounds like a pretty hard sell. Certainly, it seems like a hard sell to Texas. So I'm a I'm a little surprised. I well, I take that back. I'm not really surprised. Senator John Cornyn is is a rhino. And there's no doubt that he's he's one of those people left who who definitely uh, believes in cooperation and bipartisanship and moderation in all things. And uh, this is not an issue that needs a moderate touch right now. This is an issue that that needs to be taken care of. Absolutely. Um, this this crisis was made by the Biden administration. And it appears that this administration is just looking to get them in faster um, so that the numbers will not back up into um, into the Border Patrol and, and CBP uh, centers. And so it looks like the problem is resolved when, in fact, it really isn't. Um, okay. Instead, instead, what members should be demanding is that the um, reinstitute the policies and programs that worked under the Trump administration.
Well, we know that's not going to happen because it happened during the Trump administration. So they're, they're, they're opposed to do it. doesn't matter if it worked. If Trump did it, they won't. Um, so that aside, what else could or should we be doing? I, I, we evidently are going to be sending money to Mexico so they can, they can, uh, the Mexican government can try to entice migrants to plant trees, which doesn't, doesn't seem like uh, the reason why they were headed towards the United States to begin with was not to stop to plant trees in Mexico. It was to come to the United States because they think they have a better future here. No, any money that's given in the form of foreign aid should be about truly improving the, the economies and the source countries. That involves private investment. It involves going after the gangs and the transnational criminal organizations. Uh, and it involves, you know, getting more security for them. If they truly fear um, for their life and have been persecuted, then they should be applying in the uh, U.S. refugee system in their country or in that region. They should not be making the dangerous journey north to our border um, because it just enriches the smugglers and it puts their own lives in danger. Take, take me back a little bit here, Laura, because um, during the Obama administration, we, we tried sending money to foreign governments. We sent money to all kinds of foreign governments, many of whom um, are direct enemies of the United States, including Iran. We, we certainly sent uh, money to Central America to prop up third world dictatorships with the idea that if we send them enough money, they'll, 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 they'll stop the flow of people coming to our borders, or at the very least, they'll spend some of that money making the conditions in their countries better. Um, clearly, that did not happen, or at the very least, it did not work. So why do you think the Biden administration thinks it might work this time? Well, I mean, he was vice president under uh, Obama, so many of the Biden administration policies returned to the Obama administration. But frankly, the U.S. for decades has given foreign aid to Central American and other countries um, without conditions demanded of them. And it was President Trump who actually said, look, if you want to continue to get foreign aid or not get tariffed, we need cooperation when it comes to immigration. And they, those countries gladly stood up and said, okay, okay, we will cooperate. They started enforcing their own respective borders. They started taking foreign nationals back who didn't apply for asylum previously in their countries, but skipped through and came to the U.S. to apply for asylum. They started building up their own respective asylum systems, which everyone should be for. Um, and so U.S. has real leverage when it comes to foreign aid. We need to use it. And when we give them money to truly make sure that it is going to actual root causes and not social justice programs. Other than this bill being proposed by Cornyn and uh, Cinema, are there any other bills out there in Congress right now uh, dealing with the immigration issue at the border? Or is it all fairly quiet as far as uh, legislative uh, support for any particular program? Um, there are various bills. Um, some call for the um, continued construction of the planned border wall. Um, others require that if the U.S. is going to be continued uh, to be shut down due to COVID uh, precautions, that uh, the border needs to be secure against COVID, um, and uh, reinstituting the Remain in Mexico program and codifying the um, the legal concept of safe third country, which is require, requiring someone to apply for asylum in the first safe country in which they arrive. 
I don't know if you've gotten heard a reaction in D.C. yet, but uh, today, evidently, the Biden administration is announced that it is going to nominate Harris County, which, of course, is uh, the county that the city of Houston is in, Harris County, Texas, Sheriff Ed Gonzalez as the next director of ICE. Um, Ed uh, famously um, stood up and complained about the way the Trump administration was doing things at the border, so clearly he falls in line with the Biden-Harris administration. Um, but have you gotten or heard any reaction from this potential appointment to ICE? Yeah, it, it's not looking good. Um, by its very name, Immigration and Customs Enforcement involves enforcing the law, uh, and it doesn't look like Sheriff Ed Gonzalez has always been supportive of either ICE, uh, particularly what are called 287G uh, agreements, where state and local um, police departments work with ICE um, to supplement ICE's ability in um, identifying criminal aliens for removal. Um, and he's criticized um, whether it's uh, worksite enforcement and, and other examples. So um, he is not an embodiment of the mission of ICE, and so this is not looking like a good nomination. Well, it's it's looking like a nomination I would expect from the Biden administration. But if 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 they have any, not that they care about pacifying Governor Abbott or any of the other more conservative politicians here in the great state of Texas. But I can tell you, nobody in Texas will be impressed by this because because we know there's no relief coming to our border just because you're going to nominate a Texan to take over ICE. No, that's form over st- substance. Americans want laws enforced, including immigration laws. Um, so ICE requires a leader who will actually enforce immigration laws. Yeah. And these, this is where this president is the most vulnerable. These are by far his lowest poll numbers. The vast majority of Americans agree things are not going right right now as it relates to illegal immigration. Laura, thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, Jimmy. You bet. Laura Reese with the Heritage Foundation joining us here on AM 950 KPRC. Final segment coming up, Jimmy Baird Show here on AM 950 KPRC. Kind of the big story of the afternoon. I mean, not not big from the standpoint of life changing, because I don't think this, this. Well, I know this doesn't change your life. I know it doesn't change my life, and I hope it doesn't change anybody's life uh, here in in Harris County, Texas. Because if you're still if you're wearing a mask outdoors, you are among you are among the very very few. But um, Biden did come out today and gave you the official blessing to take off your mask outdoors with a lot of ifs. Let's go, let's go over the list now. Here's President Biden. Starting today, if you're fully vaccinated and you're outdoors, you need, and not in a big crowd, you no longer need to wear a mask. I want to be absolutely clear. If you're in a crowd like a stadium or at a conference or a concert, you still need to wear a mask even if you're outside. But beginning today, gathering with a group of friends in a park, going for a picnic, as long as you are vaccinated and outdoors, you can do it without a mask. The CDC is able to make this announcement because our scientists are convinced by the data that the odds of getting or giving the virus to others is very, very low if you're both been fully vaccinated and out in the open air. 
The CDC also helped clarify which outdoor activities are safer or less safe, depending on whether you've been vaccinated. Can I have sex outdoors? <laughs> Is that a safe activity? <laughs> what if what if little Jimmy was wearing a mask? <laughs> okay, I'm, I didn't mean to go there. I'm sorry. Oh, it's like Grandpa, you know? Yeah, Grandpa. Okay, whatever. He's also very proud of the fact, evidently, that... that um, Giving out the vaccine has been all about, not about equality, it's been all about equity. Here he is on seniors in equity. Based on reported data, the proportion, the proportion of seniors who've been vaccinated is essentially equal between white and seniors of color. I said from the beginning that we were, we're going to fight this virus with equity, equity for all. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, there are more Latinos and African-American seniors that have been vaccinated as a percentage than white seniors. These numbers are a sign of progress on that front as well. Hang on a second. I ain't no big math major. Um, I don't, if you put um, African-American seniors and Latino seniors into one category versus white seniors, wouldn't there still be quite a bit more white seniors than the other group, just based on raw numbers, based on the percentage of population? After all, African-Americans are only about somewhere between 10, 13, 14% of the population. So does that mean that we still have a lot of white seniors that have not been vaccinated because we want to make sure that we vaccinate more Hispanic and and, and African-American seniors? I'm just... I'm, I, I, it sounds like fuzzy math. That's why I question it. All right, here's what he had to say about teens and vaccine. The bottom line is clear. If you're vaccinated, you can do more things more safely, both outdoors as well as indoors. For, so for those who haven't gotten their vaccination yet, especially if you're younger or think you don't need it, this is another great reason to go get vaccinated. Now, now, yes, the vaccines are about saving your life, but also the lives of the people around you. But they're also about helping you get us get back to closer to normal in our living, more normal living, getting together with friends, going to the park for a picnic without needing to mask up. We're back to that place now as long as you get vaccinated. So go get the shot. It's never been easier. And once you're fully vaccinated, you can go without a mask when you're outside and away from big crowds. Now, now. Yeah, this what's, that's what teens want to do. They want to go on a picnic with their friends. Notice he said you could do more things indoors, but he didn't give a single thing you actually could do indoors. Because there really isn't anything more you can do indoors. We don't have time for question number two. Let's play question number one. There was there was a little media follow-up, and you could tell this, this, the Biden handlers were getting nervous. Here's, here's one question that did sneak in. If the risk is so low outdoors, why doesn't this new guidance apply to everybody? Because the science indicates that the most certain way to make sure it doesn't spread if both people have been vaccinated, the people you're with, and you're outside. 
And you chose to wear a mask, sir. You chose to wear a mask. You chose to wear a mask as you walked out here. What message were you sending by wearing a mask outside alone? By watching me take it off and not put it back on till I get inside. Okay, we had a pretty snappy comeback. That was Peter Ducey, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Peter Ducey is the uh, is the is going to be the arch nemesis of the Biden administration. You know, we have reverse roles now. When when Trump was president, CNN's Jim Acosta was the guy who was always out there battling the president and making making statements and and trying to get get him in a get get him in a gotcha. Well, now Peter Ducey is the guy for Fox who is trying to get Biden in a gotcha, which is not that hard to do most of the time. I don't think that he said anything today that would convince somebody who really doesn't think they need the vaccine to get the vaccine. If that's all you're offering is the ability to go outside without a mask when we are already have been doing that for a long-ass time, yeah, that's, that's, that's no incentive there. Have a great evening. See you tomorrow morning, bright and early at 5. Shara's back along with me on KTRH, and then I'll see you back here at 3 on AM 950 KPRC. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.